We've come to hear the gospel today. We heard it in Isaiah 62, the first lesson. We heard it in our anthem. And now we can listen for it too in the second lesson. I'm reading from John 2, the first 11 verses. Listen. On the third day when on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding when the wine gave out the mother of Jesus said to him they have no more wine Jesus said to her woman what concern is that to you and to me my hour has not yet come his mother said to the servants do whatever he tells you Now standing there were six stone jars, water jars, for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw out some, and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And when the steward tasted the water that had become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. There was a wedding in Cana in Galilee. That's what this story is about. Cana is a town right next to Nazareth. You've heard of Nazareth before. It's where Jesus is from. Cana and Nazareth are located in the hill region just west of the Sea of Galilee. And they're right next to each other. In fact, today the towns blend right together. So if you were from that region, you would have walked these towns And you would have known people in both towns. So the story is about a festive occasion in Cana next to Nazareth. And everyone is invited. And it says Jesus is there. And his mother is there. And Jesus' friends are there. It was a regional celebration. And it was the custom, not unlike today, that a large wedding meant wine. Indeed, lots of wine, the festive drink for a joyous occasion. Then the story of the wedding at Cana says, then the wine gave out. In that day, running out of wine was not just inconvenient, it was a social disaster and it was a disgrace for the host of the wedding. The family would have to live with the sense of shame of a failed celebration. The bride and the groom might consider it bad luck on their married life. So running out of wine had in that day and even now has in our day various levels of connotations and consequences. When the wine runs out at this wedding at Cana, The party, the celebration, comes to a deliberate halt. The people quit their dancing. The young people and the older people stop their rejoicing. 
It's not time for the celebration to be over, but the wine has run out. That's what it says. Now, let's talk a bit about wine running out. In some cases, in some cases, it might be a good thing for the wine to run out. (laughs) Parties, rejoicing, festivity of wonderful or wonderful parts of life and wine can be a nice uh, addition, adding merriment and rejoicing even. But in some cases, it might be a good thing for the wine to run out. Many of us have circumstances in our lives. Many of us have loved ones related to us for whom and when wine, especially too much wine or maybe some other form of wine, creates problems. And it's not a laughing matter. It's not always a good thing to have wine around. There is the tendency to overindulge. And overindulgence makes for some difficult circumstances, either for ourselves or for those whom we love or even for our community. Most of us know these problems all too personally and all too well. Excessive drinking remains a problem for lots of people. We live in an age when alcoholism is one of our serious issues for our health, for young people, for middle-aged people. For all people, you may know that binge drinking is one of the worst problems facing all college campuses. And on any day, you can probably find a news story or of some circumstance or some situation, maybe drunk driving or some other mayhem that has been caused by too much wine or some form of wine. So in some ways, it can be a good thing A good thing when the wine runs out. It puts a halt to things that can bring challenge and destruction. We need to affirm that. But, as I have said, at this wedding in Cana, and with other festive events, the running out of wine is seen as a bad thing. It means an end to the party. It means an end to the celebration. Indeed, the running out of wine is not just a problem for the wedding or an embarrassment for the host or maybe bad luck for the couple getting married. The running out of wine can become an apt metaphor for what happens in much of our life. An apt metaphor for what happens to all of us in various seasons of our lives. To say that the wine has run out is another way of saying that life has gone from good to less good, or good to even bad. Like when you thought you were strong and healthy, but the doctor says the recent tests show a cancer or a heart disease or something else that's going to change your life. One moment feels like you're, everything's fine and hearty, and then the next moment it is heavy and dark. To say that the wine has run out is an apt metaphor for conveying, perhaps, how we feel when we come to the realization that our marriage is not what we thought it was. Or an apt metaphor for saying that the relationship that has shaped so much of who we are is no longer there. Or an apt metaphor for saying that the job that we had envisioned is no longer in front of us. 
or an apt metaphor that our life has somehow taken an unexpected turn toward darkness. There was rejoicing, but the rejoicing turns to mourning. The wine has run out. That could be an expression that conveys just how crummy you feel when you go back to your home after your loved one's funeral and the family has left and you're all alone and the, la- and the quiet is so loud that you don't know what to do. The rejoicing has turned to darkness. Times are shifting. The wine has run out. That is a description of those seasons that we all know and that we'll undoubtedly experience at some other time again as we move through life when we are beaten down by any number of things when the doubts become real when the depression and despair are going to be real issues facing us the wine has run out that's a description of life when we're not sure how to see anymore how to think anymore or what we're supposed to do do you get what I'm lifting up here if so just give me a nod Well, let's look at what this story is really about, which speaks to all of us, and see what happens when the wine runs out. When the wine runs out, the mother of Jesus goes to Jesus and lets him know there's a problem. And in this little interchange in this passage, we're put on notice that the real issue is not wine, and it's not a party. This is simply the context. Jesus asked, what concern of this is mine? My hour has not yet come. What does this mean? Well, this is not just a story about wine or even a miracle, water to wine. This is a story about Jesus. It's about the light that Jesus embodies in the darkness. It's a story that shows us right here in the second chapter of John's gospel, what John was saying in the first chapter, that the good news has arrived and Jesus embodies the good news. And that good news is in breaking the world. The subject is a wedding. The subject is the wine running out. But the real and important message is God is in your midst and God is here and God is real and God is at work. And when God is present and at work, everything takes a different framework. That's what's going on in this story. Undoubtedly, life includes for all of us days and seasons and moments and long moments. When this metaphor is an apt metaphor for our lives, the wine has run out. Rejoicing has turned to darkness. It can be about our personal lives, our daily lives, and how we often feel overwhelmed with challenge. And it can be about other things that are beyond our control and how discouraging life can be, like the political quagmires we see in our government, which can be so frustrating, or the fresh debates about guns and gun violence and the realization that we can certainly get to a better place than we are. And it can be about our other issues that confront us on the larger scheme, the continuing war in Afghanistan that we can't seem to end, the hurting nation with a growing debt, all of these things can feel like the wine has run out, an apt metaphor that describes much of what we feel and unable to do anything about it. This is really a story about Jesus. And it says there were six stone jars 
And it says that the steward, upon drawing from the stone jars, tasted the water become wine. And it says that Jesus did this. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and the disciples believed. That little word, sign, becomes very important for John's gospel. The gospel writer uses this word to direct everyone's attention to Jesus, to what Jesus brings, to God made flesh, to the inbreaking of God's reign. This is a sign, so we'll see that. It's not about the wine. It's about what comes clear in this moment in Cana at a wedding. It's not about a miracle, but about who is in the midst. Who? With a capital W. The setting reveals the concern, the confusion, the changing mood of a party, a wedding. But the setting also shows us Jesus. The Word made flesh, full of grace and truth, at work, attentive, bringing about God's reign in our midst. So the focus of the story shifts from the jars to Jesus. Because God's power is thrust on the scene. The focus in the story shifts from the wedding feast to the wonderful goodness of God in the midst of this particular incident, which means God is alive and at work in all of our particular incidents. In a little town, in the hilly region of Galilee, at a wedding, we see the magnificence of God, the powerful presence of God, the saving light of God that's poured into every darkness, the goodness of God that is also at work in our lives. A sign to show us that. Signs, real signs as we know, and signs all through Scripture, signs all through Scripture point us to God. Signs always point us to something else. And signs in John's Gospel are pointing us to God's reality and God's presence. Signs in John's Gospel are showing us where heaven and earth are coming together and it's coming together in this situation in a wedding in Cana and it's happening here so that we might see it happening in our very lives. No matter where we are, no matter what we're dealing with, this is the message. The signs are moments of grace when disciples might believe that God is real and God is present and God is always bringing new things into the midst and the signs want us as disciples to see the same thing. The sign is water to wine, but the point, the essence is God is at work. God is always able to do far more than we think or imagine. God is always attempting to turn our mourning into rejoicing, our darkness into light. Indeed, the promise is there's no darkness that is too dark for God. God's light is always brighter and the message is for our lives and the message is for our world giving hope to every dark realm that you're dealing with that our city is dealing with that our country is dealing with every dark realm in the world has the opportunity for God to bring light and that's what we keep looking for and waiting for and working for here's a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King whose life and legacy we celebrate tomorrow 
when our days become dreary with low hovering clouds and our nights become darker than a thousand midnights. Let us remember that there is a great benign power in the universe whose name is God and God is able to make a way out of no way and transform dark yesterdays into bright tomorrows. That's gospel. And in Cana, we see Jesus doing just that. Sending that message, that sign. So often we need the signs because we so easily and often forget and we find ourselves lost. If God's love and glory are present in our midst then life is never, ever without God and God's power to redeem. That's the promise. If God's light and promises are revealed to us and we know God's love and care, then loss and heartache and hurt and hopelessness, they don't have the last word. Discouragement, not even death, they don't hold the final say. God is good and God is present and God is doing great things. God dwells among us. That's the promise. Do we trust this or not? It renews us when we do. The whole gospel of John is written so that we will see and so that we will believe. Recently, maybe for the last 10 days or so, every time I leave this church, I face a challenge. Specifically, I drive out of the parking deck, go this way on East Street, and then I most always turn right on Main to head out of to the hospital or to home or to the seminary or to some meeting or something. This is how I go. Out the parking deck on East, turn right on Main. If you live in Richmond, you know that they've been tearing up the streets in Richmond. (laughs) The plan is to replace all the gas lines under all the streets. So they're doing this methodically. It's taking forever and it's a mess. And guess what? The last 10 days has been happening right there on Main. So every time we leave, got to confront this mess. Well, they replaced it, they dug it up, they patched the holes, and then it rained, and it rained, and it rained more. So the holes now that were patched and filled and level are sunk, and there's all these potholes. So you can't turn the corner and not hit them. Shakes your bones. (laughs) Messes up your alignment. Gets your attention. And if you do it a a lot of days... You start trying to dodge them. And you got other challenges. This is what I've been dealing with for the last 10 days. Every time I leave the church. Then I thought, this is a theological lesson. (laughs) It is. It's a lesson. Life is never smooth. Where'd that myth come from? Life is never without bumps. And bangs, even ones that shake your bones. Indeed, there are times when the wine runs out and the rejoicing turns to tears and the celebrating goes south to darkness. The light gets covered up. This is life. This is how it is. The news feels often more bad than good. However, God's promises prevail. God's love sustains us. God's presence in Jesus helps us 
to know the truth. Crises come. Bruises set us back. Holes, heartache, they can shake our bones. But life is full of light. It's full of God. It's full of God's presence in Jesus. We're never separated from God's love no matter what comes our way. God's joy and God's promises hold the day. The truth. Friends, maybe by God's spirit we can hear these words afresh today. Maybe we can sense in our particular lives, wherever we are, the grace and the goodness that we need to carry on. When the wine runs out, all is not lost. When things go so bad for us and for our world, we are never alone. God is with us to redeem us and make us new. God is there continually calling forth our best efforts to love and serve in the world. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we believe. We do. Help our unbelief. And move in our midst this day and forever to shape us as people of light and hope and love and service following Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.